Welcome to the third episode of Demilde Belgique Greece Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstone, and joining me, as always, is the Canadian who wanders around the forest looking for mythical creatures, or as they're known as in Vernon, people under the age of 75, Logan Saunders. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Saunders. And I'm going to start this podcast immediately by saying we haven't had English subtitles for this episode. Therefore, we're a little bit rusty on what the actual challenges are. We think we're good on them, but if we're wrong... I apologise now, because we're not 100% confident for the first time in a long while. I think this is the first episode we've done without subtitles, if I'm not mistaken. What about the um, finale last year? Oh, well, that was much easier to follow since, you know, one of the challenges was in English. That kind of helped. Very true. But yeah, this is the first regular episode in a while that we have done without subtitles. And it's going to be an interesting experience for us. And how has your week been? Uh well, some people in town tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, I've come down with crazy nausea since yesterday. Luckily, none of my symptoms line up with coronavirus. It's just overall nausea. So that's been fun. And then tomorrow is the last day at a job that I've worked at for the past six years. Yay, and this is like the third time that you've said that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> this time it might actually stick. <laughs> And my week's been very interesting because, as people may know, the UK pretty much announced a lockdown on Monday night. And given that my birthday was Tuesday, um, that made for a very interesting birthday experience. What'd you do for your birthday? Absolutely fuck all. So you understand, sir? <laughs> because we are now only allowed out once a day for exercise, only if it's essential shopping, only if we're dealing with medical emergencies of some description, so if we've got an elderly relative who's ill or whatever, we can go see them, or getting to and from work. Anything other than that is banned for the next three weeks. Yeah, anything other than that is subject to huge fines? Yep, and they have said that if people keep ignoring this, because people have been completely ignoring all the restrictions and taking their children to the seaside, if people keep ignoring this, they will now just institute a total lockdown next time and they will really ramp up the fines. Yeah, that's pretty much what they're threatening here, because uh, in Vancouver, uh, everyone was at the seawall, I guess. They had huge gatherings at the seawall, so then the people in government were saying, what What are you doing? What do you not get about social distancing or to ban public gatherings? We're going to have to do full lockdown if you guys uh, can't play ball with this. Yeah, essentially, anyone listening in the UK who has actually decided to go out of the house just for social reasons, you're an idiot. Point blank, you're a moron, and you're making us all have to stay inside through your incompetence. Stop it now. And stay inside probably for a longer period of time. Yeah, that's the thing. If people keep being knobheads, we're gonna just have to stay inside longer. And given how beautiful the weather has been this week so far, people really don't need that to happen right now. I'm trying to think, any other countries? I know Italy's full lockdown where you're not allowed to leave the house. And then of my girlfriend, uh, Gian, she's, it's military lockdown in the Philippines, you know, where there's military on the streets patrolling to make sure no one's out unless they're getting groceries once every couple days. That's the only thing they're allowed to do. I don't think they're even allowed to just go outside for exercise. Yeah, I know basically every country in Europe has shut their borders now. Even Belarus? Especially Belarus. But it, as we were discussing before we actually started recording, it's basically going to guarantee we can't go to the Belgian finale now, which is really irritating. I mean, I'm still hoping for a miracle of some description, but it's looking unlikely now. 
Yeah, just because everyone's fighting so hard to contain this thing. Or at least, or not so much contain it, but I guess just slow the ratio of it spreading. Yeah, and because people can't actually follow instructions, they're ruining everything for the rest of us. I'm all, like, I work at a pharmacy inside of a grocery store, and I'm always amazed how many people are consistently shopping. So my theory is that since it's the only place that's open, it's like everyone's little outing for the day. Like, well, I guess I'll go grocery shopping because I don't want to be in my house all day and nothing else is open. It is, but as someone who used to work in in a supermarket, people are disgusting. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere near a supermarket right now. No, it's funny. Like, we have the traveling... The traveling salesman, of course, has been stuck at our store, so he's been the line the line distance enforcer of making sure everybody's not close to each other at all in, in the lineups. So that's what his new job is now, is just being like, nope, you back off a bit more. That's all That's all he gets to do now. Back it up. Yeah, don't get too close, or otherwise I'll pretend to punch you. <laughs> so anyway, Demol Belgi, let's try and stumble through this episode. Yeah! So previously, everyone had to slug camping gear up the 1,100 steps. Christian got his Armstrongs mixed up. Bart held a watermill, and everyone messed up a Greek wedding. Salim shouted Opa, and nobody opened Pandora's box, which contained the name of the mole, before it was Bruno who was sent home. And we get a Greek introduction to the legend of the Minotaur, who is awaiting the eight remaining candidates at the end of this episode. And as penance for the murder of the son of King Minos, Athena sent seven young men and seven virgins to the island every year. When they arrived, they were sacrificed alive to the Minotaur, the monster half-human, half-bull, wandering around in the dark caverns beneath the Palace of Knossos, and feeding exclusively on human flesh. Nobody ever returned from it. Until now. And next week's symbol looks like a a Greek temple, I was gonna say, but we now pretty much know that it's the Parthenon, because we're going to Athens. Ooh. And the quote to begin the episode is, And to escape from the hellish labyrinth, he was guided by Ariadne's thread. Do they use a real Minotaur in this episode? Have you seen the picture on Jill's, um, on Papa Ver Gilles de Costa's uh, Instagram of him with the <laughs> Minotaur? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. So, but it was all in Flemish, so I didn't know. But is that is that a real Minotaur? Yeah, basically, they managed to somehow keep the uh, the Minotaur alive long enough for um, for Jill um, to have a picture taken with him. Yeah, some people look up to Jill's and have pictures taken with him. And then Jills looks up to Greek mythological creatures and has pictures taken with them. I can't wait for the episode where he meets Medusa and it's just a picture of Jills uh, turned to stone. Oh, you've got to imagine that they're going to do Medusa at some point. If they're doing all of the Greek myths, which they seem to be, or all the the big ones, we're probably going to get Jason and the Argonauts, we're probably going to get the Trojan Horse, we're probably going to get Medusa. They're the three I would pretty much guarantee right now we are going to get. And I will be shocked if they don't adapt in some capacity. Actually, I don't mean to jump ahead, but I think at the execution when the red screen came up for Els, I think she had seen Medusa in the red screen because she looked like she had turned to stone. Yeah, and my exact reaction when that happened was, fuck, why? (laughs) A suspect went home. Damn you, Leone. I mean, it's good on that part, but it's terrible in this part in the fact that I'm now immediately going into a podcast where I have no idea who the mole is. Which, to be fair, is quite often in uh, in Belgium because it does usually start a run of me going, oh, for God's sake, my main suspect's gone every week. But I'm genuinely struggling again. Maybe because Bart is the mole. Oh, I'm not even going to say that. Uh, 
<laughs> I was going to make an ultimatum if I uh, if Bart is the ball, but no, I'm not making that that bet just in case. Given how bad my legacy is with Belgi, so we open it on day five in Yaunina, and Bart looks sleep deprived. And El snored the night before. Salim is wearing his mole shirt, and Doreen wakes up with black spots, and everyone says she looks like a Dalmatian. Yeah, that part I didn't have to have translated from Flemish to English. I'm like, I presume Dalmatian means Dalmatian. Yeah, I, th- I think I can guess what the Flemish word for Dalmatian is. <laughs> so they drive to their next location, and it's a very scenic drive. And for some reason, they stop in the middle of the road for a dance party. With Salim leading exercises? Yeah, but the best thing is, Salim hasn't changed since he slept. He's still wearing his mole t-shirt. <laughs> Maybe it's a different mole t-shirt. Maybe. However, as I can't remember whether I chatted you or not, we did have it pointed out to us last week that they are selling those mole t-shirts and jumpers. And I want one desperately, and they won't ship them to the UK. Maybe somebody will sell it on eBay or Amazon. Yeah, if anyone has an address I can use in the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, or Italy, I think it was, that they're then willing to just send these t-shirts on to me, please let me know, because I will hook up with you with this. I definitely want one a uh, mole jumper you'll hook up with somebody over a mole shirt i will do anything for a mole shirt so i just anything like give up ten thousand two hundred euros for a mole shirt fine i will i will link up with anyone who uh who can do that for me and papa bear gilda costa meets them at the voidomatis potamus a river and there are two rafts behind him and they were split into two teams and they can earn up to 4,000 euros of the pots if the rafts cross the finish line no more than 10 seconds apart. And the teams are Doreen Bart, Lauren Christian and Jolien, Els, Salim and Alina. And along the way there are two mini challenges each worth up to 2,000 euros. And Gilles sends them off with the information that those in the first raft to cross the finish line will get important information in their search for the mole. And they each get a river guide to help them steer... The actual rowing needs to be done by the contestants, sir. And it's fair to say that the blue team are an absolute mess. Yeah, I hear that the river guide was actually trying to counter-paddle and actually be, be working against the team. Essentially, the, the river guides were just playing the Yan role of trying to constantly put an oar in it appropriately. Just trying to slow them down as much as possible. <laughs> and the blue boat does get stuck, and we get to see how the entire challenge is being filmed and there is a cameraman lying down backwards with a camera at the front of the boat, which has got to be a terrifying experience. (laughs) You have no control over what happens. And you can't even see what's happening. You're just hoping that Doreen knows how to paddle a boat. Spoilers, Doreen does not know how to paddle a boat. (laughs) And at the first mini-challenge, only two people can play per boat, and they must hit as many jars across the river with money amounts on them with a slingshot. One jar, however, contains a disadvantage. Whoever hits that disadvantages the other team. The disadvantage is that the two people who played must be blindfolded until they reach the next challenge. The red team choose Christian and Bart, and the blue team choose Salim and Else. And Bart proves to be an absolute crack shot with the slingshot, because he hits the first jar, which is worth €100, Euros, and then hits the disadvantage jar. And he does it very accurately as well. It's quite impressive how kind of central his shot was on that. Because he could not have done it any better. He's all prepared for the David and Goliath challenge. See, David and Goliath is uh, is biblical, Saunders. Know your mythologies. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you were just making a reference to the slingshot, but I am going to call you out on that one, sorry. 
So the blue team managed to get into a rhythm with paddling, except for Els, who is essentially just doing the Yan role of sticking her oar in and causing trouble. The second mini challenge is for the other two candidates per boat. For the red team, that's Lauren Doreen, and the blue team, that is Jolien and Alina. And in this challenge, they must build a tower of at least seven stones. If the winning tower contains a stone with a disadvantage, that goes to the other team. And all of the stones that they use have got monetary amounts on them. And Law and Doreen build their tower first and earn 1,400 euros from their tower, despite Jolien and Alina trying to use the disadvantage to finish theirs. And then the blue team try and speed up to ensure that they'll be within 10 seconds, but also to try and get the advantage. The red team cross the line first, with the blue team right behind, so they earn 1,500 euros of a possible 4,000 for the pot. And Papa Bear's Yolda Costa also says that he personally told everyone that they would be coming on the trip a few weeks beforehand, except for one person. The mole has been away for a while, and he's got a montage of the reactions, which the winning team, Bart, Christian, Doreen, and Law, get to watch. Do you think the mole would make sure they, they were in the winning boat? I'm not sure what the strategy is here. I think the mole would want to do the challenges as fast as possible, and try and get as little money as possible, obviously. But I also think that there is the meta thing of the mole was probably aware of this twist coming and therefore got to practice their reaction. Yeah, just several takes on the recording. Yeah, I don't think this is an advantage at all. I think that the mole was probably very much prepared for this being a thing and um, and used that to their advantage. be funny if there was one video where the person just pretends to be really, really, really shocked that they're going on the show. Well, you've also got to imagine that People saying hi to Jill wouldn't be necessarily because they are the mole. It would be because this is the biggest show in Belgium and that pretty much everyone who applied for this show should know who Gilles de Costa is. Do you know who I am? I'm Gilles de Costa, motherfucker. People call me Led because my initials are PB. Papa Bear Gilles de Costa. <laughs> And the losing team also get an advantage, which is drinking with Jill first. That was the main prize. Exactly. Everyone watching the videos gets punished because they've got to wait to um, to get Jill de Costa absolutely shit-faced. The other four can have a head start. See, that's the real advantage. That's when you ask him who the mole is. And Alina is also wearing a hoodie with a picture of Bert and Ernie dressed as Pulp Fiction characters. Say rubber ducky again. Motherfucker. Can I have a taste of your finest rubber ducky? And on day six, they wake up in Aristi, and they get split into two groups, four who like to make things, and four who like to search for things. And the makers are Christian, Doreen, Else, and Salim, and the searchers are Alina, Bart, Jolien, and Law. And the searchers are told that Greece is a land of archaeological digs, and that today it is their job to dig and fill in a timeline. They get one hour to excavate objects and put five of them in the correct place on the timeline. Only if they are all in the correct place will they earn any money for the pots. And there are 20 flags over the field marking spots where they can dig. Some have monetary values on them, some have question marks, and they can earn up to 2,000 euros for the pots. And that is kind of a rough guesstimate, I will be honest, because the other challenges were 2,000 as well. Yeah, they never got explicitly said the value of the archaeology challenge, did they? No, but you can kind of assume that if one half of a challenge is worth an amount, the other half will be as well. So I'm working on the assumption they could have got 2,000 euros if they picked the correct answers. 2,000 euros is not that much for an all-or-nothing challenge. It isn't, but they don't tend to do all-or-nothing challenges very often, so at least they're low-value ones just in case. Right, doesn't break the bank like they do with Vidim. Yeah, it's not the end of the world if they lose an all-or-nothing challenge if it's only worth 2,000 euros. 
So Bart finds glasses, Law finds a pocket watch and then some scissors, and Alina finds champagne, which Bart wants to drink. And with half an hour to go, they've uncovered all the money flags, and then they go after the question marks and the bigger plots. And Bart, for some reason, is actually allowed to drive a JCB, which he stalls. I want to give Bart responsibility to do anything. Neither would I. 100% Bart is a liability in every challenge that he's in. By next week, he's going to have to do every challenge covered in bubble wrap. Oh, I'm really looking forward to Bart having to skydive next week. It's going to be so fun. Do you want to find out who the mole is, or do you want to go skydiving? Or do you want to absolutely shit yourself? <laughs> That's a 500 euro fine. Costs 500 euros to clean the jumpsuits. <laughs> and the metal detector that they find helps Alina find the video recorder. And with 65 seconds left on the clock, they lock in their answers, which are Sandheimer, Spinning Jenny, Champagne, Glasses, and a video recorder in their respective eras. And they get three correct, but the glasses belong in the Middle Ages, and the Sandheimer also belongs in the Middle Ages, so they earn absolutely nothing. And the two correct answers for the prehistoric space were either scissors or the catapult. Scissors are that old, eh? Apparently so. I mean, logically, it does make a lot of sense that scissors would be that old. I wonder if people started out by running with them. Hunting with them, actually. Oh, hunting, yeah, that makes sense. It's why we love covering Hunted so much. It's just uh, a, a game of hide-and-seek where the losers get stabbed with scissors. Fact. The most dangerous sport in the world is Hunted. And the makers are taken to an art studio and given a lesson on how to sculpt a head before they get to try and sculpt everyone's heads out of feta cheese. It's a shame that Bart didn't do this challenge since he's, uh, you know, have the, better, have the better guy work with feta. And they've got the one hour to sculpt all the heads at which point the other team get to come to the gallery and try and identify everyone. And if they identify everyone correctly, that will earn 2,000 euros for the pots. And somehow they managed to do it. Considering those were some of the worst sculptures anyone's ever seen. <laughs> what was the one that was just two? Who made the one with just the two round balls? I'm not sure, but they correctly identified that as, uh, as Doreen, which is hilarious. <laughs> That'd be like seeing like a Salvatore Dali painting and say, oh yeah, that's totally my cousin Jim. <laughs> looks just like him. You know, he looks like three triangles and a clock shaped like a face. The thing is, you've got to assume that Doreen probably did her own likeness, because if anyone else did two balls of feta for her, that would be really insulting. <laughs> yeah. You're very round, Doreen. You're the roundest contestant here. You look kind of like a cheesy snowman. <laughs> I didn't see that. I couldn't translate that in the Dutch <laughs> subtitles. Cheesy <laughs> snowman. Has anyone told you this, Doreen? You look like a round, cheesy snowman. That's why we identified you so fast in the Feta Challenge. I mean, I see a round, cheesy snowman. I'm thinking, oh man, that's totally Doreen. Maybe it's just the Animal Crossing player in me, but whenever I see balls of material stacked together, I just know that it's a cheesy snowman. Or do you see the other sculpture where it was like a square? Where it looked like an Easter Island head, and they're like, oh yeah, that's Salim. Yeah, but the best thing about it is they introduced this bit of the challenge by showing someone's feta face and an eye just dropping off it. That's their fetish. So as a special treat after the challenges, they get to go out on the town, and everyone gets absolutely shit-faced. 
That is my beer. I'll finish it later. <laughs> my friend, that is my beer. <laughs> I'm like, man, why can't they just... They all can speak English. We don't need Dutch subtitles. Just speak English the whole time. I mean... This is the sort of scene that you 100% would never see in Vidim in a million years anymore. And it's part of the reason I love Belgies, because they're just so willing to get everyone shit-hammered. Well, it's, you're taking regular people, it's like, hey, some regular people get shit-faced, so let's, let's give them a night out on the town and see what happens. Yeah, but the last time they let them get shit-faced, they then let them loose in a South African museum. Well, in Greece, they have rules. Yeah, there was a real question about whether they were going to send them straight to the Minotaur Labyrinth. No, they decided to switch things up and have them run through the Minotaur Labyrinth uh, hungover. So that's why there were loud noises whenever their heartbeats went over 120. It's because they were all really hungover, and it was just a way to really irritate them while they have hangovers. As soon as Bart hits 120 beats uh, per minute... Damn, it's so loud. I can't concentrate on this. I can't I can't figure out the difference between a Cerberus and a Satyr. I don't even know where I'm running anymore. I'm just hanging along this carabiner. So they do wake up a little worse for wear on day seven. And for the final assignment, they must travel to Yanina Island in the middle of the sea. And Papa Bear meets them on the island and says in the forest behind them, they can earn up to 6,000 euros for the pots. However... The money is protected by the Minotaur. They have to pick two candidates who are guaranteed not to be captured by the Minotaur, two people who won't even enter the forest. And given that they kind of assume that it's going to be a physical activity challenge correctly, they choose Doreen and Els, obviously. And the other six get attached to ropes through the forest and must follow them to the end and back to win money. And in the forest are various puzzle pieces representing Greek mythological creatures. And they are the Sphinx, Satyr, Scylla, Typhon... Hydra and Griffin to begin with, and they must put the pieces that represent the component parts of each one in the correct place to exclude the parts that they don't need to find in the forest. By excluding those 12, they can find the six pieces, which will give them money in the forest, each worth a thousand euros. And Elsa and Doreen are sent to the library to help with the puzzles. Because nothing's, you know what I love to do when I'm hungover after listening to Drake all night? Uh, by the way, I appreciate that Canadian touch that they added in Drake Drake music while they're all getting uh, hammered. Maybe they put that in just for you, Saunders. It's like, we know you're there, Canada. Yeah, it's like, yeah, let's please the one Canadian fan with Drake. I should note, too, that uh, I couldn't help but notice that they did not have a dance party this morning. <laughs> they really didn't. There was no exercise uh, classes with Salim this time. Also, you can definitely tell that this was filmed last year because there was no social distancing in that bar. There was none at all. And they were drinking Coronas, too. I mean, we're all just watching it going, ooh, they're going to catch coronavirus if they get any closer. It's like their own little execution happening simultaneously. Maybe that's why Elsa got executed. They just had to protect her because she's old. Yeah, you got to protect the old and vulnerable people. So in the forest, if their heart rate goes over 120, their backpack emits a loud noise and the Minotaur wakes up. And their time limit is set by their heartbeats. And they get 7,000 heartbeats to spend as a group, and they can choose how many each person's round has. Uh, they choose Salim to go first, with 800 as his limit. And if they go over their limit, the backpack will start emitting a noise constantly, and the Minotaur will chase them. They're really hoping the Minotaur was out drinking with them last night. That would have been a great twist, wouldn't it, if they just panned the camera in the bar and uh, the Minotaur's just sitting there with a, with a cocktail. 
He's still in his minotaur outfit. Yeah, it's just too. just sat, sat there with a, a large cocktail with uh, an umbrella in it. I'm scooping out my victims for tomorrow. They're so vulnerable. Why is the Minotaur Rupert Bonham? <laughs> Does the Minotaur suffer from death and rot? I am going to eat them tomorrow. Ironically, that's probably your best ever Rupert Bonham impression and you weren't even trying. I didn't know they made such an animal. He's the one that drank Bart's beer, I heard. That is true. Off, ca- off camera, you just hear, Death and rot. John, you snake, motherfucker. No, what they should have done is pan the camera over. And it's just this minotaur with this really guilty-looking face from Bart, Bart yelling at him about drinking the beer. Actually, thinking about it, it couldn't have been Rupert Bonham who was taking the beer because Rupert's favourite drink, as we know from all of his Survivor bios, is 2% cow's milk. So Selim finds a sign with Harpy on it, and his heart rate raises so much that Bart actually asks him if he's okay. It's that dangerous, Bart actually shows concern. It was got really, really high. 200 with exercise is a really fast heart rate. Yeah, what you didn't see is that Bart did actually have to ask him, do you want to get chased by the Minotaur, or do you want to find out who the mole is? <laughs> Do you want to learn Greek mythology, or do you want to find out who the mole is? Did you know any of these um, mythological creatures, by the way? Yes. Uh, there are Satyr, um, the Hydra, uh, Cerberus, uh, Griffin. Yeah, because I used to study Greek mythology a bit when I was a kid. It's interesting that the Sphinx was in there, because the Sphinx is not associated with Greece. It's associated with ancient Egypt. Yeah, I was surprised the Sphinx was in there, too. I'm like, oh. I guess I guess it makes sense that you know Egypt would poach that from ancient Greece. Maybe they were just kind of trying to fill the gap. They were like, "Yeah, we've got eleven of these myths. Let's just I don't know, chuck a sphinx in. No one's going to notice." Well, ancient Egypt was actually before ancient Greece, I believe. Yeah, so maybe the Greeks adapted it. Makes sense because of the geographic proximities, right? I've just kind of made that connection as you were talking. I'm like, the Sphinx is really not associated with any other culture other than uh, ancient egypt huh actually yeah i just did a quick google search yeah sphinx is the human-headed lion in ancient greek mythology the term likely came into use some two thousand years after the statue was built yeah originated in uh egypt but then i guess i guess there was enough greek people who saw it and said hey let's adopt it into our own mythological stories so Salim sees the Minotaur and starts running back, and he returns back with about 400 beats to spare, which they do not get to play with again. And Bart ends this part of the episode by saying he's calm. And the coming up trailer completely disagrees with him being calm, because it's just him sprinting through the forest. Free for absolutely freaking out, running around trees. And Law is second up, and she starts with 800 as well, and she's much calmer. But she just casually walks past the Chimera sign. Yeah, she was not paying attention. That was very suspicious. And Jolienne tells her to imagine she's got a G&T on the go. And her heart rate exceeds 120, and the Minotaur approaches. She runs out of beats, and the Minotaur captures her. Jolienne is next up. Her budget is 1,100 beats. Almost immediately, she exceeds 120 per minute. And she sees the Kerberos sign, and her beats go too low, and she runs back, and manages to escape the Minotaur. And it's really, really interesting, I have to say, to do a challenge where there is no fixed time limit, it's entirely set by you. Mm-hmm. Because there was an entire game show over over here called um, The Thousand Harpies, which 
worked on the same principle. All they had to do was answer quiz questions and stay under a thousand heartbeats. I would start running marathons beforehand. Yeah, how do you think the mole would have sabotaged this, by the way? Really quick breaths? I feel like the mole was almost certainly in the forest somewhere. Well, that's where all the money was. Oh, no. I just thought something we won't have seen. They were all staying together, weren't they? So, there's a classic UK mole tactic, I think it was, where there was a heart rate challenge right after breakfast, like this, and they had to they had to keep their heartbeats low, and the mole ended up making really strong coffee in the morning to try and raise everyone's heartbeats. Oh, from the caffeine, almost like heart palpitations. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what season it was, but I would not be surprised if the mole made coffee that morning. How strong do you want your coffee? What? Twice as much of what you mean? You want caffeine pills in it? Okay. Would you like caffeine pills with your cream and sugar? Yeah, the mole is just now some caffeine peddler now. It's a caffeine dealer. Yeah. See them in an alley, open their overcoat, and they've just got cups of coffee in there. Yeah, well, caffeine, caffeine pills. Do you want to run through a forest? Oh, do you want to find the mole? Yeah. Do you want to participate in the illegal drug trade, or do you want to find out who the mole is? So Bart is next up with 1,400 beats as his time limit, and he is channeling his inner Kathy from Big Brother US 12, and he's taking his time on this one. Really taking his time. He was, like, meditating at one point. He got his heart rate down really low. Yeah, it's the right tactic. Ultimately, you have to calm yourself before you go in the forest. That's all you can do. And he finds the pieces of the Kerberos puzzle, and he saunters back in with 140 beats to spare. And Christian's fifth up, he argues with Bart about what his beats should be, and they decide to just give him one beat and sacrifice him. And he doesn't get very far. It was not a very smart strategy. I'm like, really? Zero? Did I miss something with the description of this challenge? No, they just gave, they gave him one beat. I may as well just give him zero beats. All you're doing is w- wasting the one beat. I'm assuming that one was the absolute lowest that they could give, otherwise they would have just given him zero. No, that one beat would have gone so far. Maybe they were hoping he would have a heart attack at the start of it, and he would have a five-second head start. And he falls over, but manages to return nevertheless. And then Alina is the last to go, with 1,500 beats. And she finds the echidna board. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but an echidna is not a mythological creature. It's like a hedgehog. Yeah, it's, son- it's uh, Knuckles. Yeah, it's Knuckles. I'm assuming there is also an echidna in Greek mythology, but still. Yeah, there is. It's a monster half-woman and half-snake who lived alone in a cave. Huh. Yeah, we're learning all sorts of things today. They love their Greek mythology, just taking random creatures from other places around the world. The language barrier is helping. And her heart rate keeps going over 120, the Minotaur approaches, and she decides to run back with only 250 beats left, and she grabs the puzzle piece board, but the Minotaur grabs her. And with 1,399 beats left, Bart decides to have another go, and he keeps sort of just popping above 120 occasionally. He grabs the board that Alina dropped with around 450 beats left. With just 30 beats left, he actually has to walk past the Minotaur, and he sprints, but is caught, which means their efforts earn 1,000 euros of a possible 6,000 for the pot, 4,500 of a possible 16,000 for the episode, and 6,800 of a possible 38,000 for the season so far. Didn't Bart just outright trip while he was trying to escape from the Minotaur? Oh yeah, he was tripping over the wire constantly. And it took him a, how many how many beats was he given at the end? He had uh, thirteen ninety nine. 
That's quite a bit for taking that long to find Alina's piece. Yeah, if you think, we don't know how big the forest was, obviously, but they had 7,000 as a group. If they managed to stay just below the 120 every time, which they were never going to do, then that gives them an awfully long time in that forest. It gives them nearly an hour. Unless you're Salim and you just completely screw everybody over because you're taking away all those beats so fast. Yeah, you've got you've got to assume that the mole sabotaged, but managed to sabotage everyone else as well. And the ways to do that were either use the wrong pieces on the board in the initial 12 pieces, which they didn't do because they got those all correct, or they find a way to sabotage every single other person and make their resting heart rate much higher than normal, which is what I think with the coffee thing. It's a classic mole tactic to do it, but it's the sort of thing that the mole should have done in this situation to minimise the amount of money going in that pot. So it is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home. The rest will end up going to Athens. And Salim suspects law because she walked past her sign and was a bit lackadaisical in the forest. And Alina also suspects law. Bart thinks that Salim is suspicious as his heart rate increased straight after leaving the safe zone in the forest. Law says that Jolien is a history teacher and should know her timelines. And Christian suspects that Bart sabotaged the ref challenge as he hit the punishment on the second shots. Jolien suspects Alina, and Salim says he doesn't want to get overconfident, saying he knows who the mole is. And Papa Bear's Gildacosta says in the morning they will head to Athens, but one person won't make the trip. I think they will make it to Athens because I think you pretty much have to fly through Athens to get to Belgium because that's what I had to do. No, they're, um, they're abandoned as soon as they uh, as soon as they lose. They're just abandoned and have to wait, make their own way home. That's how it works. Book your own bus with, like, Flickster bus or something like that? Yeah, they have to do it in the worst possible way. And that is either take a taxi with a paint bomb in it or get a uh, really long bus ride. Well, that, that would be a really, really long bus ride. <laughs> By the time filming's done, that bus won't even be back in Antwerp yet. And Alina and Bart get green screens before our main suspect from last week, Else, goes home. You could only hold off from the older lady being executed in the mole for so long. Yeah, it's, um, it's gutting. I guess one of the signs this week is that uh, for the Minotaur challenge, she was in the library with, Dor- uh, with uh, Doreen, right? Yeah, she was in the library. Yeah, it wasn't a very helpful role to begin with, so... As soon as, as soon as she was in the library, I was thinking, eh, that's not exactly where I'd want to be if I was the mole. Yeah, it, in that sort of a challenge, you 100% need to be definitely in the forest. But also, you need to be, I would say, in the archaeological challenge. The rafting doesn't matter, really, as long as you can make sure that not much money gets in the pot. But you definitely need to be in the archaeological challenge, and you definitely need to be in that forest. So that narrows our suspects down quite a lot, I would say. Yeah, down to what? Alina? And Law. Law was in both of those positions as well. I want to add in Salim as the third suspect. So your three are Alina, Law, and Salim then? Yes. So Law is back up to my number one. I think she was in week one, but she's back up to number one. I don't know for everyone else, that's the problem. I don't think it's Bart. Obviously, because, you know, it's Bart. I'm getting the feeling that Christian's probably a contestant now rather than the mole. He just tries too hard to make all that money. I'm definitely going with Laura's my number one. And I will put Alina and Jolien in there as well. 
Julianne. Yeah, because she was also in. She was also in the archaeological challenge. She was also in the uh, the forest, and she was also um, suspicious in the uh, the rafting because she tried to make sure that the um, the blindfolds were used again. Oh, when stacking the rocks. Yeah, her and Alina both tried to stack the uh, the disadvantage in there. Yeah, give one more, give it one more week, and I might swap her out with Celine. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, this is obviously very spontaneous, given that my predictions are terrible this season because I really don't think about this fast enough. But this is also the last week where we're allowed three suspects. We're down to two next week, just to one, you know. Oh yeah, because it's only be seven people left or six people left. Yeah, so you're only allowed two suspects as of next week. But Natone was allowed to suspect like three people when he was down to final five in uh, Vidim. I know, but Nathan had awesome hair. Sorry, Saunders. I can't argue with that. Awesome for the entirely wrong reasons, but awesome nevertheless. So, next week, everyone flies to Athens. There are subway rides, helmet golf, food, and a skydive before Salim and Dorian interrogate everyone, and Christian gets to do karaoke. I thought karaoke was just a Southeast Asian thing. No, it's a tradition now. They have to have one karaoke challenge every season now. Well, they better be singing some Charles and Eddie. I mean, I'm joking by saying that, but actually, it's not out of the question, because we had the piñata challenge where um, where Steve had to sing. We had, obviously, Axel's iconic massage karaoke challenge last season. And now we've got um, Christian and Alina, by the look of things, doing karaoke in the subway station. Try to th- oh, the South Africa kind of had karaoke with Shoshaloja. It's like Sean Connery's challenge. Shoshaloja. So, have we got anything else you want to say? Um, no, for an episode that only had like 10 words of English the whole time, I think we covered it pretty well. I think so too. It's it's sad to see our main suspect go, but as you said, it's kind of only a matter of time before the old lady goes in mole. It's kind of tradition now. If she's innocent, she's going to get executed. Yep, usually by paint bomb. So thank you for listening to our Debole Bellsy recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for the newest mole. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube or Instagram, where we are RTB Warriors, or you can email us at contact at rtbwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logsuperquacky, and I am MJ Armstone. See you next week. Peace out and just chill until the next flavoring. That's my beer. I'll finish it later. Thank you. Okay, just be safe. <laughs>